you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, football fans, I'm Dolly Parton. Welcome to Nashville. David, football, football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now here's your host. Dave Hi and hello, football fans. I hope all's well wherever you are. We are not in Studio 66. Nay, we are in Nashville, Tennessee for the 2019 NFL Draft. Coming up over the course of the next, I don't know how long we're going to talk, but however long it lasts, we will be talking to Stanford Cardinal head coach David Shaw. Our main man and a head coach of several NFL teams and an offensive coordinator and a QB guru and all that. And uh, a swell fellow to boot, Steve Mariucci and Hall of Fame QB Kurt Warner, but seated to my immediate right. One of my main men in all of uh, sports media. He's a pal, not just a, a colleague, but a pal and the host of the Ross Tucker football podcast. It's Ross Tucker. What's the poop, fella? I love Welcome Dave. to Nashville. Well, I, I love you and your producer starting the show with me, you know, mm. like like you do in television. You get your headliner first. You, right. you have in the A block, so Correct. to speak. You bring in me, and then after me, then in the other blocks, you know, Kurt Warner. Kurt David Warner's Shaw, like Steve the stand. Mayer, he's, he's, like, he's like the fifth lead in the right. movie that's coming out on Friday. Right. And then Mooch is like the band. And then and like, so like David Shaw is like the the stand up at the end. And when of the you show. post this online, it's going to say uh, Dave Damashek football program number whatever Ross Tucker right. Uh, and other Mary football Uch- guys. And other football guys right. showed up. I, I appreciate that. Well, listen, uh, I want to keep this with you. Make sure you're checking out all uh, Tucker's work, not just on his podcast, but with The Zone. And I see you talking to Glad Handen with all the football glitterati. What round did you get drafted in? I was undrafted. You were undrafted even. Yeah. Uh, you, Sorry. You will appreciate this. 2001 was my draft year, and I knew I wasn't going to get drafted. 
but I was in my dorm room at Princeton. I had like four phones. I, my parents, for my birthday, I turned 22. They got me my first cell phone. This is March 2nd, what? 2001. You're that young? Yeah, it was my That's first crazy. cell phone. And so I'll never forget, during the first round, my phone rang, and it was a 513 number. And it was the Bengals. Now, you know this, but a lot of the young people listening, the Bengals in 2001, after the 90s, they were like the Browns were the last 20 mm-hmm. years. I mean, the Bengals were the laughing stock of the NFL. And I remember That's why Marv got so much rope over the years. They right. said because of what preceded him. I'm like, all right, how much rope does he get for that? It's not his fault well, and or I, his, uh, to his glory that they aren't just the abject worst team in football anymore. I answered the phone. I was like, I'm I want to be a Bengal. And, and they were like, uh, Ross, uh, this is assistant offensive line coach, tight end coach Frank Verducci. Just want to let you know that, you know, we liked what we saw from you and, and we're very interested in potentially signing you after the draft. And we just want to let you know that now. And I was like, no, I'm ready now. Let's first round pick. Let's do this. I want to be a Bengal. <laughs> I think they had just taken Justin Smith from Missouri. Remember that guy? Sure, of course. Total, total beast. But yeah, I only ever got two calls during the draft, both from the Bengals. And my agent, Joe Linta, who represents like Joe Flacco and guys like that, he had said to me, the later it takes for me to call you after the draft, the worse the news. Meaning I might not even get signed, hmm. which I knew was a possibility. So it's like an hour after the draft. All my buddies were out at our eating club. I'm starving. I haven't eaten all day. I'm like, I guess I'm not getting signed. So I walked out to the eating club. They were having, like, barbecue chicken and burgers and dogs. It was awesome. I couldn't eat. I couldn't even look at anybody. Dude, second semester senior year of college. Sure. My buddies would come home at 5 a.m. every morning. I was waking up at 5 a.m. every morning to train for the draft and doing, like, the shuttle and all these drills. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I just threw away my second semester of senior year of college for nothing. I couldn't, I couldn't even eat. I couldn't look at anybody. I walk back to my dorm room. As I'm going up the steps, I hear a phone ringing. I start like sprinting up the steps. I grab it. It's Joe Linty. He's like, where have you been? I've been calling you for like 15 minutes. I said, well, you told me the longer it was after the draft, the worse news it was. And it's been like an hour and a half. And he's like, well, you're signed. I'm like, with who? He said the Redskins. Minicamp starts on Thursday. I was wow. like, yes. Wow. So I said, Joe, I'll call you back in a little bit. I hang up. I sprint back out to the eating club where all my buddies are. I walk out. All the girls are there, all the guys. You ju- you're out. just nude at this point, right? No, you're I, like, I, I, I'm lost. I'm out. above all I just law. put my finger above my head. I'm like. Redskins and we all I'll never forget this we all like jumped up and down and they were so happy for ah, me it was great. like they were going to live vicariously sure. through me so and what's really weird about it you'll appreciate this too that's Sunday night this is back when the draft was Saturday Sunday okay that Sunday night minicamp started Thursday I had two months to go still in college before I graduated. I get down there. They tell me I'm playing tackle. So I have one of the freshman D linemen for Princeton line up a yard and a half off sides and just do one-on-ones against him a yard and a half off to try to get used to the speed. I go down there, and the first thing you do when you get there is you take a physical. So I'm looking around as we're getting physicals, and I'm, like, about to get my blood taken, and I'm behind Jeff George. And then I go over for my EKG, and it's Bruce Smith. 
and I go over to do something else, uh, like the hearing or the eyesight, and it's Daryl Green. I'm like, what the heck is? I've been watching these guys what for am I 20 doing years. Here? Yeah, I, like five years earlier, I might have been asking these guys for their autograph, and now I'm behind them in line to get blood drawn, and I'm like. Hey Jeff George, how are you? He's like good. Like it was, it was, it was so bizarre. It was so bizarre to like be, I guess, on the same level with these dudes you've been watching on TV for years. That's a great story, and it's funny. It's a little contrary to every guy who I talk to, or, or so many of the guys I talk to. Maurice Jones-Drew has one of the great yarns of all time that goes through the full range of human emotion is his draft experience. Right. And to this day, he can tick off all the guys at his position who were drafted in front of him. Most guys are bitter. And he is but, I mean, it's like, oh, Maurice, you have a lot of money, and every you're, you're a king in Jacksonville for the rest of your life. Reggie Wayne, same is true in Indianapolis for you. Malcolm Jenkins in Philadelphia, you, you know, and New Orleans. You have right. Super Bowls in both those towns. You don't have to pay for a meal in any one of those. Everybody is bit. Reggie Bush is bitter that he wasn't the first overall pick. He was the second overall pick. These guys wear it. Is it unbelievable? For, even on the, their careers are over and they're rich and successful. And they're like, I'm still angry that Corin Robinson went ahead of me. <laughs> you're not that way. You have no, you don't tick off the offensive lineman. Like you really should have drafted me if you're going to draft that guy in round six. Well, I, okay. A couple thoughts on that. Number one is I do hold a grudge against anybody that's ever been drafted. So like a little bit. Oh, so like, your things is just a blanket. You resent everybody. Yeah, anybody's ever been drafted, I don't really <laughs> okay. like. Good. Uh, that's number one. And then number two, you know what really hit me? When I get to Redskins rookie minicamp, or not rookie minicamp, it was the full team. And then during training camp, and I've got guys like LeVar Arrington and Kenny Watson and Mike Saramelli, all Penn State guys, because I grew up a huge Penn State fan, coming up to me and saying, Ross, you would have been like, you and Kareem McKenzie would have been our two best offensive linemen. Like, you would have started for us for three years. Literally, Sheck, I was like, ah, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Because when you grow up, you know, the Eastern- that's not a, I deal with the same sort of thing. And I, you know, because I'm vain, not narcissistic. And so when a narcissist hears that, you'd be like, yeah, of course, everybody knows that. When a vain, that just hurts my feelings. Like, well, it didn't happen. And now you're just rubbing my nose in it. Well, no. So it's like, if you know how it is, like, you're from Pittsburgh, but if you're from Central PA, or even Eastern, like Penn State's, th- like if you're from where I'm from, Penn State's the I thing, get it. right? And so that was the dream. And then Penn State didn't offer me a scholarship. I was a late bloomer. So to hear these guys say I would have started there for three years, I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Because that was like, that was almost more of a dream than actually like playing in the NFL. I'll tell you one other thing that's crazy, okay? When you're at Princeton, you watch like a Florida State-Miami game, and you legitimately think, how would we do if we had 13 guys on the field the whole game? You know what I mean? Like, you, you know that they're a lot better than you, but you don't know how much. I really just, as much as anything, I want to get a shot in the NFL because I wanted to go against a guy from Alabama or Notre Dame or whatever and just see how good they really were. I'll never forget the first rookie minicamp. I was going up against a guy named Terry Bryant. He was second team all ACC from Clemson. And check, I just kept blocking him. Every play. Like, every play would come to me. I'd, I'd block him easily. I remember distinctly thinking, like, when's he going to turn the good on? Like, wh- when am I going to be like, wow, these Clemson guys are so good. Oh, my God. All ACC. He never turned it on. Like, I was one of the people. How funny. Just like you said, 
most guys are bitter about their draft experience. I'm not. I'm one of the few guys that will actually tell you the NFL was easier than I thought it would be. I had built the dudes up in my head. I thought Big what Daddy will. statement. I thought Big Daddy Wilkinson would, like, pick me up and, like, break me over. I had no idea what to expect, right? Like, I thought, these guys are going to pick me up and throw me. And I get out there, and I'm, like, I'm blocking them. I, get, I go up on the linebacker. I block him. I'm, like, okay, like, I can totally do this. Like, these guys are not great. The other undrafted offensive lineman in my year with Marty Schottenheimer, Washington Redskins, 2001, Tam Hopkins, Ohio State, uh, Jason Schwab, Nebraska, um, a guy, a Trey Langley, LSU, all these like power five, they all got cut and I made it and I love it and because it's just like, I see it's awesome. five minutes ago. It sounded like, see, he's, he's the rare <laughs> Tucker's like the rare example of a guy who just got, did, a did I just disposition. get narcissistic? Did I just no, get it was awesome. Oh. I, no, I, I like that every guy is bitter about like, that, that. That is the recurring thing that, that pro athletes need to summon some demon to work against. They must figure out like who doesn't believe in me. And that's going to be my motivating thing. I, I, it, it is always there from Tom Brady on down. No I, one believes in me. I want to tell you something else. I love, do you love how I come on your show and just totally hijack it? By I way? love it. Not, so, well, dude, I, so I live in Harrisburg now, as you know, right? I've heard. Yes. So this is how awesome it is to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. They recently had like an autograph session in Harrisburg and Ryan Switzer came, but also it was like Kijana Carter uh, Jason Cabinda. Kajana Carter? What yeah, would he it, be there for? Well, Penn State. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so there was like six people up for autographs, like three Penn State legends, like two guys that had, uh, the, the the most expensive autograph was Ryan Switzer because you had to pay for the autographs. He didn't fumble a single punt it last was, year. It, so. was, it was $65. Can I just ask you something? <laughs> Is that something? Are we still on planet Earth? Is this still what galaxy are we in? The Mil- not in the Milky Way. What are people? Keystone stand- State Capitals hungry people- for pro football. Okay, so so I love I, I love that there's a lot of great Steelers fans, right? I think the next Damashek Roadshow should be going to an autograph session where people stand in line to pay sixty five dollars for Ryan Switzer's autograph, if and you go get- right down the line and you just say, "Can you just tell me what's like, up with you? Like, what happened in life where things went wrong? What are you missing? Yeah, what are you? <laughs> what's missing for you that this is the void that, that you're attempting to fill it with this? I w- what it makes me think is if he can get sixty five, can I get like twenty? Yes, dude. I emailed the guy that I emailed the guy that ran. The, you should have just set up shop right there just to see. <laughs> I emailed the guy that ran the autograph show. He didn't email me back. I'm like, hey, so I didn't play for the Steelers or at Penn State, but I think a bunch of people know me around here, and I'd be willing to do it for like a lot less than what Ryan Switzer's getting. Uh, before we get to Warner Mooch and uh, Coach David Shaw, three great conversations that we've already had. That's why I can say with confidence that you should stick around to hear those. Let me throw this at you quickly, Ross Tucker, for your insights here. Ben Roethlisberger, as we record, has now signed a two-year deal. He should be, it would appear he's going to finish his career in Pittsburgh. Um, and it seems that the majority of people in Pittsburgh are very happy about this. Everybody outside of Pittsburgh is saying he's finished and he's a bad guy to boot and all this. And I've pushed back through the whole offseason. Let me just put it into this context. I say that Ben Roethlisberger, whatever you want to, how you evaluate how he talks about teammates and no microphone, which, by the way, 
most high-end quarterbacks do that. It's not a rarity that a guy has opinions, maybe even negative ones about teammates that they say publicly and otherwise. I think we've all seen Aaron Rodgers and Dan Marino and Peyton Manning and beyond gesticulate wildly on the field, not even waiting for the microphone, but on the field, making it clear to the national TV audience, no, I wanted you to cut in. This bad, That bad pass was not my fault. That was you. That's on you. They all do it. That's so the, the key, idea? by the way. If you're ever a starting quarterback in the NFL, like in your next life, if there's a really be. bad, if there's a really bad pick, either right away on the field or on the sideline as you're coming off, take your hand like that yeah. and just go angle it right. Just just angle it in. Like even if it was supposed to be an out route, just be like. I like the helper guys who uh, that are now in NFL secondaries that as a guy smokes them and uh, is running 10 yards ahead of them into the end zone, that that DB is a helper to his teammates to turn around and, and, and like point back like that was supposed to be like, yeah. I know I'm the one on tape right here for America, but it's because you blew the coverage. I like when they do that. I know some guys that if they gave up a sack, they were taught. You go help the quarterback Right, out, I remember right? that. You don't see that as much anymore. I, I know other guys that if they got beat clean right at the line, they'd start walking forward or kind of get, like, <laughs> act like it wasn't, <laughs> act like it wasn't them. They wanted to be nowhere near the, the picture on the TV when the quarterback gets drilled. By the way, I, I, I have to, you have to indulge me for one second. You say you were surprised that the NFL players weren't a little bit better. Yeah. What happens? Because I've asked this to a lot of the high-end guys, and they laugh in my face because they they think that they can uh, marginalize me in this way. But you know better, Tucker. Damashek with the best offensive line in pro football, whichever one that is, and let's say Zeke Elliott behind me or Saquon Barkley. You give me the ball at my own 35-yard line. What chances do I have? of moving the team into field position for a field goal. I would say I need a good receiver too. But I only need it for one play cuz I'm going to I'm going to do I'm going to I'm going to hand the ball to my to the horse behind me and then just one time I'm going to I'm going to go like this you're is gonna, the You're going to bootleg this, out? This is the one. This is the one. <laughs> this is the one uh you know whoever my receiver is Julio. This is the one. I'm going to give a little play action go up the left sideline i would say you'd have a roughly 1.2 percent chance of getting in the field goal range all right so you're saying there's a chance i all think right. that they would put 11 guys in line of scrimmage and i think that there i actually think there's more of a chance that you would literally poop your pants that's on, a, see, now you're on doing like everybody national else. tv that's what they all say there why? Would, that you, why? I, why why were you why, why could you handle it and, and damashek couldn't do it uh because i did it because I, I, I had a progression. Like, did you even play? You didn't play high school football, right? I wasn't allowed, but if okay. I had been allowed, you weren't know. allowed by who? By Mo Damashek? Mo Damashek didn't, didn't uh, allow Terrible that. decision. Mo, you could have had so much more insight for your current career if Mo hadn't been so short sighted. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, I, I think when you actually got there and you saw how close those guys were to you and they started saying stuff to you that's what everybody and, that's that's and what, when you and when you drop back from center i think you'd be surprised how slowly you would drop back from center and they would bring a that's guy that's what and, david carr says david they, carr says you would get he said you would you would be stunned <laughs> You would get crushed by the snap, the force of the. I'm like, well, what happened? People, okay, so people don't realize, okay, 
how explosive you have to be and how much quarterbacks work on, just how fast they get from the line of scrimmage back to the running you back. You don't even know. I, I might would, go gun. Maybe I would that think won't be an issue. You should go gun. You should definitely go gun because I don't I'm think, you, I don't think you'd get back to the running back. I want to I be a threat. Like I, I like the idea of going straight under center, though, as a, th- as a running threat. I might run Wait, a little option. Why don't you just goose the center yeah. and try a quarterback sneak if they're the best O-line in football? Do you know what goosing the center is? I know it. Uh, what is it? Oh, I know. Well, I guess I don't know. Like, All right. I, so I, I assume if you're you like doing, doing like quarterback sneak. Oh, just letting him know. Have, I'm gonna you do don't it. have a snap count. You, you. So your hand when you're getting That's a snap. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. When was, your hand when you're getting a snap is that your top hand is caressing the bosom and mm-hmm. the it's just there. The unmentionables. The, the unmentionables for the center. If you're going to do a quarterback sneak, you just lift your hand. So there's no nobody can see it, nobody can hear it, but you do that. The center snaps it right then, and then I I go block a guy. That's what happens on quarterback sneaks. Why do you think Brady always had such good quarterback sneaks? He's good at goosing the center, and then they go, and the D line is going to be a split second late, and that's why you get that. It's little crazy scene. to me that 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 QBs the world over. What Drew Brees is the best at is that. Like I know no, Tom he's Brady, the best at jumping over. I know, but Brady's but the best that, at that, that everybody at nestling can't fig- in for a but yard. Why and people half. can't figure that? Why you know? Any- it's insane. Eli, Ben Roethlisberger, it's Phil insane. Rivers can't figure out. Like, if Drew Brees can consistently figure out a way to have the – because he's because he his the trick is is that he has the ball extended over the line of scrimmage before anybody can even react. Correct. And then he gets hit. It's like, if he can do that, surely you guys can do you that. You know what six, would be four, amazing? Six, if Polamalu – you know how he used to time stuff up? Yeah. If he timed up the Drew Brees, that would have been an obliteration. Ooh, that would be good. Um. Anyway, I yeah, I, I, I that would be. I don't want to say. I it's, it, I feel bad saying this publicly. It would be a lot of handoffs to Zeke. There'd be one go to to uh, Julio on play action, but I would also mix in the naked bootleg. Yeah, that, that would be Damashek. That would be, wouldn't just be NFL players. That would be. Uh, retribution. That would be the reckoning for, for, for what happened to me in high school basketball and junior high basketball and Little League and everything else. With Damashek's running around, the most talented athletes in the world, just running around the left side with the ball raised up. Like, where is it? It's over Damashek's head. And where's Damashek? He's standing in the end zone doing his boogie. I, I think you would be shocked at just how fast everybody out there is. TV does it no justice. You know how TV does NHL playoffs like no justice? Yeah. Like you can't tell how, guy, how fast those guys are really flying around. TV does not do – have you ever been on the sideline for an NFL game? I have been. Okay. Because people, people don't – you don't realize how fast everybody is unless you're really out there. Like they're fast, dude. Well, the really bat, where, fast. where you really get a sense for that is, although you are a sitting uh, goose in that spot, but – the, the, where you really get a, a feel for the speed <laughs> is when you're standing there and you're talking and whatever. And, oh, it's a fun game or this is so cool or whatever. And all of a sudden you see the play coming towards you and how fast they get on you and how you have to clear out. And when they bonk into the, the, the 52-year-old yeah. uh, cameraman or whatever. Oh, my gosh. And the way they get wiped out, it becomes uh, it becomes quite vivid how, you can also see how it severe the collisions when are. When it's like a... 
a fake um, field goal or like a bad snap on a field goal and the the holder gets up and like starts to try to run with it, it looks like one of those National Geographic shows <laughs> where like the lions are coming in and they just tear apart this that, poor That's one of Damashek's big flamingo. pitches for pro football. Stop using the punter for that. That's their own fault. You don't put the punter in there. Well, it's convenient because it's the kickers and they're all in the same thing and they can run the drills. I think that's practice. a fair point. You should put what the back. What's the backup quarterback? Why doing? would you not use your backup quarterback Thousand if something percent. goes awry? And by the way, you know it doesn't even have to be when things fail. It can be you. If I were an NFL head coach, I would be doing a lot more fakes, especially in the age of two-point conversions. I would be, well, now without at the 30, I guess you couldn't do that as much anymore. But I would be running a lot more fake uh, field goals and stuff in close And if I had a viable guy handling the uh, the snap from, uh, from the long snapper there. I'm with you. All right. Let's wrap it up there and get over to, uh, to some of now our... Now we start the show. Last question. You still do that? Do you still do that? No. It's time to start the show last thing though for okay. you <laughs> this puts it I, i'm gonna ask a uh, kurt warner and mooch about this uh about i want to establish who because i think it puts it in the the context of roethlisberger's greatness is that unsweetened tea or sweetened tea i went with the unsweetened okay i don't like sweet tea uh I, i'm kind of with you i did have my first hot chicken and and i uh review it favorably very oh, spicy i love it i like it, it. Okay. um roethlisberger this, this puts roethlisberger into historical context I, if you dis, it's obviously a subjective opinion, but I feel he is one of the twelve best quarterbacks of the Super Bowl era. And it's hard if you sit down and put your list together. I think it's hard to kind of work your way around that fact that he isn't in the top twelve. And if you agree with that, then, um, like I say, it's hard to then diminish his decade and a half. I don't know how anybody can diminish. I mean, last year, he, last year he, he, he was the MVP. Forget Juju. Big Ben was the MVP of the team last year. Should have been at least. Led the NFL in passing yards. I'll tell you this right now. Big Ben's going to be a lot better off without Antonio Brown than Antonio Brown's going to be without Big Ben. You talk to enough people that tell yeah. you Big Ben, Antonio Brown would change up his route while he was running and Ben's hands are just so big. And he's so strong, he could adjust to that. If you're a quarterback, let me just tell you, a lot of the stuff Antonio Brown does would get him benched in New England because Brady would flip out. This is so true, and it's a little inside baseball about football, but it, it's interesting. Who was it recently who, who was telling us that, Eddie Spaghetti back there, that was telling us that smart, you know, that, that guys who really uh, have mastered NFL pass catching, Steve Smith was another guy who knew if they were the third option in a, in a pass play, that they knew from play design how, even though their route took them into a certain spot, they knew how to work themselves into the line of sight of the quarterback. That's why they get targets late right. on plays so often. And, and A.B. has mastered that. But what that then uh, means is that he is not running precise routes. And I do happen to know from guys that are inside that building who I've talked to, A.B. the last year or two was, uh, for all of the his much ballyhooed precise route running, was doing anything. But oh, no, he was he not does, running the he's same on route. His own program. Right. Yeah. And that's something to adjust to. Speaking of own program, 
everybody listening can listen to the Ross Tucker football podcast. that. Because I have my, I know, but I'm just saying it one oh, more time. Okay. What if someone fast forward like the first 15 minutes because they were like, I don't care about Ross Tucker. I just want to hear Kurt now Warner. Now you're going to hear, And right. now they think they're going to hear Kurt Warner. But it's still me telling them that they should subscribe and that's listen to the Ross so, Tucker football that's podcast. That's what's so clever about what Ross Tucker does. That's how he was able to match wits, not wits, brawn and wits with Bruce Smith and all that's the right. other high-end guys. You know, guys. Bruce Smith had 200 sacks in his career. Yeah. It's 199 if it wasn't for me. Congratulations. Think about it. Think think about of, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think what he's saying is Bruce Smith, you owe Ross I tried to cut him something. on Thanksgiving. It was so stupid. Here's the, here's Still, the con- it's like one of my top five plays that annoys me. Here's the context, though. Steve Young or Ben Roethlisberger for one game? <sighs> if you're getting to... In their prime? Or? Yeah. What do you mean in there? Yeah. Um, no, when they're 58. I'll take Roethlisberger. I felt like Roethlisberger has more like come from behind wins. I don't know. That one Steve Young team was so good that I'll go Roethlisberger because I also think Roethlisberger likes football more than Steve Young. So I'll go with that. Ooh, that's an interesting thought there. A lot of, a lot of good nuggets in there. Some were correct. Some were the opposite of correct, like what Damashek would do with a high-quality offensive line. I'm like Eli. Don't you see? I'm not Russell Wilson. You've got to keep me clean. But you keep me clean, I'm going to put a lot of W's up on the board. <laughs> all right, Dave. Yeah, all right, indeed. There he goes, Ross Tucker from – I think he does a podcast. The Ross Tucker Football Podcast is its name. He's a, a great fellow. Make sure you go check that out, and the show is uh, dynamite stuff. Here is the first of our uh, of our guests from the Damashek and Tucker football extravaganza here in Nashville, Tennessee. Here he is, Hall of Fame QB, Kurt Warner. Here we go. Believe me, I do not uh, take it lightly that I get to uh, get the kibitz with uh, with Hall of Fame guys, and uh, and sometimes I even know my name. And uh, I think that describes the guy seated next to me. It's Hall of Fame QB Kurt Warner. How are you? Man? I'm good, man. How are you? What a pleasure to see you. Are you I, doing good? I I just said you got your things. I don't know what these things are called, I but I only see them for that. like major networks. That's right. And you got like your own. I'm major. You, you know, are Kurt major. A year major because you got that gold jacket, and that's why it vexes me so that you don't wear it more often. Why didn't you walk <laughs> like a thing like this? You should be walking around in the gold jacket. When your wife tells you you don't look good in gold, Is that right? you don't get to wear it very often. She's like, only when you are forced to. Otherwise, I'm never going out in public with you wearing that thing. So, All right. I know I'm raging against things. the machine I know, against right? your no, wife. You got no chance. I would. I if you're not going to use it, then the least you, you want can to do borrow is loan it? it to me. I'd like to take a spin on the town. Anytime you want, man. Really? Anytime. Thank you yep. so much. That's very kind of you. Um, I just talked to uh, Coach Mooch, and we went over the curse of Sposta. I talked to you about this. It's fine when Nick Foles does it when there's, I mean, obviously there's pressure in the Super Bowl to uh, to perform, but nobody expected him to carry them right. to that. The the greater deed is when all eyes in the stadium, all eyes in TV are looking at you, right. and by the end of your uh, remarkable greatest show on turf season, you guys had kind of flipped the switch from this underdog who, he, wait, right. what was this guy's backstory? He was yeah. doing what at the grocery <laughs> store to, like, 
well, they better win the Super Bowl right. kind of vibe. Is that the larger bit of pressure, is, or, or is it when you take over oh. for the known entity, Trent Green? When did you feel yeah. more pressure? Well, no, I mean, I think the pressure is always when there's expectation. You know, anytime you're expected to do it. I mean, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, in a Super Bowl. You know, later in my career, mm-hmm. you know, that every game you're supposed to go out and throw for 300 yards. Every game you're supposed to throw three touchdowns. Every game you're supposed to play at a certain level. That's where it's hardest, you know, when you can kind of just be a complimentary piece or the piece that nobody knows. It's kind of nice because, you know, you mess up. It's like, oh, nobody did. We expect him. You know, we don't, you can't be perfect. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think without, without question when you get to a certain level or status, whether that be playoff time or whether that be just so many years in the business and you are expected to play a certain way. Every, I mean, it's like your podcast, right, mm-hmm. or, or your show. You're expected to be great every time. I mean, that's that's I know, pressure. I'm, I'm I mean, sorry. I, for most people, I don't that would exactly be pressure. rise to that challenge every <laughs> time. But some once in a while, I do. Yeah, but no, do. I, no. But that, but yeah, yeah. That is where it's hard. Is that you know? I remember at the end of my career, I would play a game on a Sunday, and I wouldn't even really enjoy it. You know, you'd win or you play well, and you're kind of like, okay, now I got to go do it again next week. You know, it was like. You just couldn't appreciate the moment because you were supposed to do that, mm-hmm. and now you got to go do it again next week, and, and you you started to feel that when you get to that point. Boy, that's funny. As a player, you feel a sense of relief. I always describe that. You can go too far as a sports fan, and I am in that place for the rest of my <laughs> life. I no longer feel joy. I just feel relief or, or disgust at the right. end of a game. Anyhow, uh, speaking of pressure, let's make this our Zaxville's Hot Take of the Week presented by Zaxby's with Hall of Famer Kurt Warner. Who do you think has the most pressure on them in 2019? I'll throw a couple of names okay. at you. I think Jared Goff and that and, and in fact that uh, that Rams offense in general was semi-exposed by Bri- by Brian Flores and Bill Belichick that if you cannot turn around and play action to number 30 if the yeah. if the other team isn't taking that bait yeah. Jared Goff's going to have to win games for you. I think he's got a lot of pressure but I think the number 1 Carson Wentz, Nick Fol- he anything short of a Super Bowl is going to be unsatisfying to the local fan base there, well, right? Yeah, I don't think Jared Goff should have any pressure right now. I mean, and I'm sure there's always going to be some because, but he just went to the Super Bowl in his third year. Mm. I mean, my good, yeah, they didn't play great. He didn't play great. He went to the Super Bowl in his third year. I mean, um, you know, and it's funny you say that. I mean, look at Russell Wilson. He just became the highest paid quarterback in the league. Well, he wasn't carrying a team with his right arm when he went to -to back-to-back Super Bowls early in his career either. He developed into that kind of guy. So Jared Goff, I think he gets a little bit of a – he goes, hey, in my first three years, I went to a Super Bowl. How many guys can say that? I get a little bit of time to figure this out. I I do believe there's some pressure on Carson Wentz. Um, You know, and and I think a little bit of it is undue because – He's the reason they were in the Super Bowl the first time. Now, Mm -hmm. I know he didn't play in the playoffs, and I know, you know, Nick played unbelievable in the playoffs. But that was the way Carson played all year long before that. And we just kind of want to go, oh, forget all about that. He wasn't as good last year. And I agree he wasn't as good last year. And you talk about that pressure thing. I believe he had a bunch of pressure on him last year because he played great, but then Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Okay, what are you going to do? Can you get to a Super Bowl? Can you win a Super Bowl? And so I think he put a lot of pressure on himself uh, to carry that team or to to play back to the level he was the year before, coming off the injury and all those different things. Um, But so, yeah, if you're talking about those two guys, I don't think there's any question. You know, it's got to be Carson Wentz, uh, even though his team has won a Super Bowl where Jared Goff's team has only been to a Super Bowl. 
due to the fact that obviously he didn't play in those big moments, um, there is going to be a little more pressure on him, especially now that Nick Foles went and got a big contract somewhere else. Now show us that you can do it, that you can carry us. But I think the bigger pressure is show us you can show play 16 games hmm. and you can be healthy. That's and interesting. You can be there at playoff time mm-hmm. where we can really see who is this guy now. And I, I, regular season's great. I want to see you in those big moments with the pressure on you. And we haven't got the opportunity to see that the last couple of years. Kevin Harlan uh, told us um, that he likes to get right for the for the game when you guys sit down together and call it on the radio. Uh, obviously, one of the one of the uh, great uh, color analysts out there right now is uh, the work Kurt Warner's doing. I uh, hope you get a chance to check it out. Um, he likes to prepare up in the booth mm-hmm. to have some distance, whereas you like to be down on the field, kibitzing yeah. with the players and I presume a lot of the quarterbacks. What kind of questions do they ask you? Uh, you know, they don't ask a lot of questions. Yeah, that's what you come to realize in this business is hmm. that a lot of guys aren't real chatty when they're getting ready for a game. Like, hey, let's let's talk about this. Or, you know, I have to usually ask them a couple questions. But more than anything, I try to keep it small talk because I remember those days. Like when somebody came over to me, I'm trying to focus on, you know, that other team that I'm playing. I, I don't really want to answer all your questions. But where's, um, like, where's good sushi? In yeah, the exactly. Where can I go for dinner after the game? You know, those kinds of things. They, they don't want to go there. Um, you know, so for me, more than anything, it's it's watching guys. It's it's feeling the environment. It's if guys are coming off, you know, being banged up or there's questions, you know, just watching them throw and seeing how loose they are. I think sometimes you can tell by the look on their face. Um, and, and I'll go over and talk to them. But, I, I again, I, I try to keep their mind off of football or, or let them bring that up instead of me going over there and, you know, throwing a bunch of questions at them the last minute as they're getting ready to go play a game. I just know what that environment's like. So let them do their thing, whatever that is. And, you know, I may say hello and may joke about something, but uh, you know, I keep it to a minimum when it's uh, on the field. 90 minutes before the game. Uh, last couple things for you. 54-51, we caught up on the field of the Coliseum before that game kicked off. As you look back on it now, best regular season game ever? Well, I mean, you know, best regular season game I've ever seen. And, mm. you know, we got to preface that with the fact that I am a quarterback. I did play arena football. I want to see teams score 50 points in every game. I'm not sure everybody that's a football fan would agree with that. But because of that, and just because of the nature of the game, you know, you had two young quarterbacks. You had two teams that were flying high, and they didn't disappoint. But I think also the, the great part of it was that defense showed up too. Some big playmakers. That's so right, yeah. Some big playmakers on defense can go, what? 54-51? No, nobody on defense was a – but he was a huge presence mm-hmm. in that game. And so I just think the nature of the game and the big plays that were made and the guys that had the expectations on them stepped up in that moment to make it come down to the last possession that, yeah, I haven't seen – I'm trying to recall anything that was even close to that, but I just think the nature of the environment that it was, the players that made plays, and the fact that it was 54-51 at the end, yeah, you, you can't beat that. Um, All right, last thing. If you'll indulge me on this one, Kurt Warner, I am cobbling together. I want to figure it out with you. Who better to talk to? Right, I agree. What are we figuring out? I don't even know what I'm figuring (laughs) out. See, this is the moxie. This is the confidence (laughs) that you have to have to be an NFL quarterback. I'm trying to figure out who the 12 best quarterbacks of the Super Bowl era are. Off the top of your head, are you one of them? Yeah. Putting yourself in that category. I am putting myself in that category. Brady. But but most people won't just because of the lack of of time. But the fact that I think, you know, 
short period of time and starting late, playing in three Super Bowls, I think, because there's not, I don't even know if there's 12 guys. Is there 12 guys that have played in three Super Bowls in their career? Boy, that's a great question. Off but the top I, think, of my head, I think the number, I think the number is right around that. So I think from that standpoint, I, I, I put myself in that category. But we always think we're better than we are anyway. So well, I, anyways, okay, who you got? How much do you think about that for real? Like the, 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 you always hear, oh, I, you think about the losses more. Do, do you think a lot about, man, that Patriots game? You know, man, if they would have yeah. called, if oh, they yeah. would if they, I, I forget even who it was, the, uh, the Arizona State running back who was in bounds when he got tackled. By the uh, the um, third down uh, Falk? runner. Was it Kevin Fogg? It no. wasn't Fogg. It was the uh, uh, another, a, another uh, ASU was. kid who got tackled. Um, anyway, on that last drive, you would have gone to overtime in that one. Right. I, it, and I then mean, you're th- then you go down as one of the greatest right. teams in Super I mean, Bowl yeah, era. You, you history. think about a lot of those things and how it changes. You know, one game can change careers. It can change that one or history. The, or the or, or the Arizona versus San Antonio. Oh, I mean, definitely would would take the New England one. I mean, just because I look back and go, I thought we played a good game against Pittsburgh. We had a chance to win that game because we played good enough. Mm-hmm. And and I think a other thing, expectation, right? Nobody expected us to be in that game. Nobody so expected right. the Cardinals yeah. to win. So when you put yourself close and it comes down to a great play, you can live with that one. When you don't play your best game and you're supposed to win by 14 and you lose, that one sticks with you a little bit. Man, if we just could have done something different. So yeah, I mean, that one thinks, I think about more than, uh, than probably any other. Maybe even more than, than my win. But anyways, who you got? We got Brady, we got Rodgers, we got Peyton, Favre, Elway, Marino, Breeze, and Montana. That's an iron eight. I don't think you can argue that those eight wouldn't be in the top 12. For sure. Once you get past that, though, you go Kurt Warner, you go Terry Bradshaw, says uh, Coach Mooch, Bart Starr, Roger Staubach, Steve Young. Do we need to put Andrew Luck in there at this point? Cam yes. Newton, maybe at this point. Yeah, I, I think he's. I, I think he's the most underappreciated of all that? the QBs. Cam. Cam. Well, the, the hard thing about Cam is he just does it differently. That's so, exactly right. So he's so hard. I mean, like you look at him and. You know, I think at first glance, you would probably say, uh, probably not a Hall of Fame quarterback. But then if you go and actually look at it and you go, let's look at all oh, the, all the, the, all the right. Out. You look at all the things he does and how different he is. And you've got to calculate him a little bit differently. Um, but again, I, I think the first thing, if you're going to talk about of an era, best quarterbacks, you're going to have to show me a guy that is in multiple Super Bowls. You know, that, that to me has to be a criteria. I, I don't know why we play this game where we overthink it, where people and, and they'll and they'll uh, condescend to you for saying you can't count rings. You can't. Count. I think appearances. Right. I always say yeah, about I, John Elway. It's not that he got those two with Terrell Davis at the right. tail end. It's that he took those three bum Bad Broncos. Teams teams. Sammy Winder was his feature right. back. Vance Johnson was his right. best pass catcher. And he took those teams to yeah. Super Bowls. I, I've always looked at it the same way is that I believe a quarterback can get you to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Teams win Super Bowls, you know, in most situations. That's how it plays out. And so I, I'm fully with you that I look at appearances, the number of times you put yourself in that situation. I mean, I look at Peyton Manning and how many years did people say, oh, gosh, he lost in the first round of the playoffs. And I thought I used to say to myself, he got that team to the playoffs every single year. I mean, he carried that team to the playoffs with, you know, no defense and no running. I mean, so, yeah, that to me, when you're talking about the best of an era, yeah, there's some other good quarterbacks, but you got to give me some guys that have been to multiple, you know, Super Bowls. So, like you said, the Bart Stars or, or the Terry Bradshaws. And, and, you know, then you have to start weighing, okay, really good at playoff time versus how were they during the regular season? What's the calculation of both of those things together? 
you know, so that's where it gets hard. But uh, I don't know. It's, it's pretty good. You know? I, you know who we left off until you just mentioned him there, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Does he belong in that top dozen of the Super Bowl era at this point? And see, and the other hard part to me is that I look at quarterback play differently. I, I have to take a step back and, and think about Cam and think about Russell because when I think of, you know, Hall of Fame or greatest, I think of guys that throw inside the pocket. Efficient from the pocket. Yeah, that's right. just because that's that's how I think of the game because that's how I played the game. And, and I don't want to knock those guys because, again, Russell Wilson, I mean, who's better in big game moments than that guy mm-hmm. has been, you know? And so in playmaking, it's not just about having to make it with your arm, but that's how I think of it. So it's hard for me to throw them in there. Um, By we all gotta, accounts, we get I, the 12. I do want to say this. That's Kurt it. Warner, people don't know this about you enough. Everybody who ever plays basketball with you at the at the uh, at the Warner Estate in uh, in the state of Arizona yeah. comes away raving. You should see Kurt Warner play basketball. Oh, he's the best one on the floor, and he has some some uh, high end guys out there running with him. You could have been that guy if they would have put you in a certain system. They ran here's, a lot of boot action. Maybe you would have been that. Here's guy. Here's another thing that people don't know, and my kids just laugh at me. So I actually have to pull out T-shirts. But when I played arena football, they called me Houdini because I, my escapability and my ability to make plays on the run and get out of things in the pocket. And my kids just laugh at it's me because so all they I... remember is how I played in the NFL. And they're like, Dad, shut up. I mean, that was, you know, that had to be one of those nicknames like you're huge and they call you tiny, right? They call you Houdini <laughs> because you couldn't get away from anything. And I'm like, Kurt no, Warner gets sassed really? in his own home by really? his kids. So I would pull out the T-shirts from way back then. I got a few in my in my uh in my garage, and I had to pull him back. I said, look, that's my nickname. It's, it's not even Warner on the back. It's Houdini. I, I really could. So, uh, but, yeah, a lot of it's different. But we got to come up with 12. All right, let's, let, so, so you're going to put yourself in there. So that, that gets us to nine. Okay. How about Ben Roethlisberger? Yeah, I mean, I, okay. of, well, that's, that's the thing. That, okay, we, yeah, so we got. We're going to get Warner and Roethlisberger get us to 10. Okay. And are we going to go Bradshaw, Staubach? We got uh, Aikman. Wow. I mean, I was a Staubach fan growing up, and I think he was awesome. I and mean, he went to five Super Bowls, Is right? he the guy? Uh, he's the one who I think, if you went back into history, Joe Namath would be great before all the knee troubles. Yeah. But if you could put Joe Namath in 2019, he'd be great. But I think Roger Staubach would thrive if you yeah. dropped him into today's game, I do right? Too. I think he'd be great. And I, and I love him, too. And he went to plenty of Super Bowls. Aikman, I'm a huge fan of Troy Aikman just because his efficiency was ridiculous. Steve Young, that's another guy. I know he only played in one Super Bowl, and so that's that's where it gets hard because he was so phenomenal. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably go with Staubach and Aikman. Staubach, Aikman, that gets us to 12. I'm All gonna right. go right there right now. And I love then, it. And then we'll wait and see on this next generation and who who unseats me and. Maybe a couple of these other guys. You're uh, you're plenty successful. You were uh, obviously uh, successful enough to earn that gold jacket, even though you don't wear it now as a broadcaster. You're doing gangbusters work. If you need additional work, though, you know what you could do is you do? could coach Academy Award nominees about when the camera's on you and they're not about to announce best actor. Yeah. And because like we're talking about, it's like being on the sideline. Like Carson Wentz had to do that last year. Like, yeah. hey, Nick Foles, you did a great drive. <laughs> to win the game again. Right. You could coach trust, people how to look. Give, give me the look. Well, Show but, me the but look. trust me, there's a balance there that you have to fight is that you definitely want those guys to succeed and you want your team to succeed. But there is that, you know, it's like 
Animal House reference. Can I make an Animal House reference? You on, may. Right? You may. The devil and the angel. Yes. And the angel saying, oh, cheer for, cheer for Nick. Yes. Nick, awesome. We're going to win. We're going to the Super Bowl. And then there's the <laughs> devil on the other side going, dude, you don't want him to play that well. Mm. You, you don't really want him to yeah. win the Super Bowl, dude, because then what does that mean for you moving forward? So uh, for anybody that tells you there isn't a voice on any, both shoulders it is lying to you, but eventually you got to let the angel went out and you got to cheer for your team and your guy because at the end of the day, you really want everybody to succeed. Go team. Go, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where's the morning. camera? It's on me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Thanks pal. Appreciate that, it. Buddy. Wear that gold jacket. Right. I mean, who you get a gold jacket. They, they covet it so much for a decade or two decades of their lives and they never wear the things. I don't get it. Anyhow, let's uh, now move along to a uh, a coach who's worked with a lot of guys who now possess gold jackets in part because of his uh, sage advice. He's a wonderful fellow to boot. Here he is, everybody. Our pal, Coach Steve Mariucci. All right. You know, I say a lot. Yes, you do. Great all right. I mean, let's see. You don't have to do that. But okay. I was trying to say something nice right at the top here. Obviously, I am sometimes prone to hyperbole, although I try to avoid it. I say, I like this guy. I like that guy. He's a good fellow, whatever. But let me tell you something. There are few, if any, guys more delightful to bump into in the NFL hallways or in Nashville, Tennessee, as the case may be, than one Coach Steve Mariucci, Mooch. Oh, I didn't think you were going to no, say my name. Wouldn't that be I, weird if I didn't say you? I was expecting, like, <laughs> Tom Brady or, like, somebody else. You know, I don't know. Yeah, the, news didn't and mention there's no, me. One, no one who I like bumping into more than Brian Baldinger. But he's not here right now, so let's talk he's to Mooch. He's got that finger that goes the other way. Right? <laughs> he does have that. Mooch, I like to kibitz with you about this, that, and the other. Michigan yeah. State basketball, whatever. Whatever. Let's talk about this first, and then what? I want to do some important work regarding quarterbacks. People care about quarterbacks as it happens in the NFL, so I want to tap into into your depth of knowledge on that. But quickly, do you see any similarities between one Terrell Owens, who you coached? I've seen the football life about Jerry Six Rice years. and T.O., and it seems like you loom prominently in both of uh, their careers. Do you see any similarities between the way T.O. comported himself as a player and Antonio Brown does now? Um, similarities. Where they started off um, as, as guys that were under the radar from smaller schools, that's a similarity. Right. Tennessee Chattanooga, third round. Antonio Brown, where did he go to school? Yeah, Central Michigan, Chippewas. When I was at Northern, we beat him twice. Anyway, <clears throat> wonder why he didn't go to Northern. I don't know. Take that, A.B. So they started with humble beginnings, mm -hmm. grew up into be very, very, very good, great players. And then, so that's similar. And then the other similarity is, you know, is just uh, the, um, what, call it controversy or call it uh, uh, issues, call it distractions, call it things that are out there publicly uh, that's similar too and then also similar changing teams and T.O. changed teams quite a bit and, and A.B.'s changed teams. I now. wonder if we're going to see that's I guess I kind know. of what I'm thinking is he going to follow that trajectory we'll now? See. I don't know. We'll see. Let's um, hope it works out. Okay. Now, I've been debating I love talking about 
Hall of Fame QBs, who's going to the Hall of Fame. Everybody is desperate to have the so-called franchise QB leader of men. And some guys make 25 or $30 million, even if they can't really shoulder the load for their pro football team. There are certain guys who can, though. But you know what? Before we jump in on those guys, a very specific one. What? Here's a debate I've been having with people lately. Steve Young versus Ben Roethlisberger for one game. I, I'm not going to tell you anything else about who his teammates are, if it's going to be rainy or icy or under a dome or who the defense is. Who do you want for one game? Steve Young. Really? Why? Because he's a friend of mine. <laughs> I, knew, I, I, I knew you would do I, no, that. No, I had Steve Young. In fact, <clears throat> Steve won a Super Bowl. He won the MVP in the league. I had him when he was 38 years old. And you know what? He was in his prime. Shaq, he was in his prime then. When we would come in to camp and test, you know, do a physical test. Everybody does something different. You know, you might run a mile. You might run 110s. You might run 40s. We did sometimes. He was always the number one conditioned athlete mm. on our team. And we had Jerry and Tio and all these guys. I mean, he was, he was really in good shape. Anyway, so... And I happened to be there when he when he finished playing after the concussion. But I'm telling you, if he didn't have the concussion, he'd still be playing. Well, I exaggerated just now a little <laughs> bit. But he would have had another four or five years. No question really? about it. Yes, he was in great shape. He was he could still sling it like ever before. And you know what? If he were younger, if he were younger and I was crazy. I would have ran all that zone read stuff with him and all the RPO baloney, and because I come from option background in college. I like that it's baloney still, but yeah, he would have he would have been very good with all because he was an athletic quarterback. So. He was a four five guy, mm -hmm. four five, and he could run. BYU almost made him a, a corner because he wasn't the accurate thrower in college that he was in the pro. Is that true? He told me. They said, we're going to move you to corner for spring ball. And then uh, they got a, some coaches came in, Doug Scoville. Was it Doug or Ted Tolner? Anyway, somebody said, give, give us one more spring with Steve Young. See if he can be a quarterback uh, before you move him to defense. And he, he, he played pretty well, so they chose to keep him. Good decision. Keep him at quarterback. I take Steve in a second. All right, well, you don't have to do it in a second. You can, you know, give it some thought, but all right. Ben won a couple Super Bowls. Yes, good job. And Ben's a great quarterback. We know that. But he won because of great defense. Right, well, and right, great we, performance. Not yeah, the first right, he game. also played. Okay, I, I'll, I'll take you at your word. Do you think, though, with Steve Young, I, 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 it's funny, I was talking to Coach David Shaw about this. Is it a little overstated? <laughs> That whether it, Joe Montana had a big ego, right? A big what? Big ego. Ego? Yeah. You have a big ego. We all <laughs> have big not egos. I have a big ego. You no one's more down on me than me. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, Favre, whoever we're talking about, they all have big egos, right? They're all, they all think the world of themselves, don't they? Yes, yes. They should have big egos. Of course, they need to. Ego has something to do with self esteem and confidence. And you know what I mean? Um, if you're one that is so introverted that you just think you're awful, then it's hard to succeed in anything, right? So anyways, if they have ego, they have confidence, and they should have confidence because because that position requires it. So it's not, a, but isn't it then a little overstated that uh, quarterback X 
talks a little. Doesn't every cute? Doesn't Peyton Manning? Didn't he call out his offensive line after games? I mean, this thing about that Roethlisberger calls out his teammates and everything is it? Isn't that a little overdone or no? In your opinion, doesn't every? Didn't Steve Young do that on occasion? I don't remember him doing that. Uh, I remember Brett Favre did at one time where a guy didn't report to training camp or a guy didn't report to mini camps, and he said something about everybody should be in here. And it was a, you know, it was a little controversy. He was like, hey, you know, it's voluntary and that's all this stuff. It's not your contract. You know, that kind of thing. But as the leader, you know, you should be able to say some things at times in a diplomatic way, right? Mm-hmm. It's how you say it and how often you say it where it doesn't come across as condescending or critical um, or confrontational. So um, I guess Ben has said some things uh, on occasion that twisted some guys the wrong way. I Yeah, all right. Uh, is it I, his right? Yeah. Heck, he might sign a new deal here coming up. Oh, he did. He's a, he signed it. Did, uh, did he sign it? Breaking news as far as I know. See, that I'm deal not even up with signed. the current time. When he yeah, signed it today? you a man of the people. Moose, he signed it today? glad handing. I was eating this, this mac and cheese was really good was here. Good? Yeah. I'm going to get this some of event. that as soon as we're done. I might even wrap it up a little early so I can get to that. No offense to you. <laughs> um, if the San Francisco 49ers could draft any player in San Francisco 49ers history in 2019 to fill whatever their needs are as you perceive them, who should that player be? Oh, boy. It's a fun question. Okay, my mind is going... Wendell Tyler. If you look at my eyes, eye movement patterns, that means there's visual recall, auditory... uh, Okay, I'm going back in time. There were so many... They would draft... I don't. Can you draft Eddie DeBartolo? <laughs> right, you can cheat if you want to. No, I know what you're dodging. I know what you're ducking. He, 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 Sixteen he, or nine or eight. Mr. D put that whole thing together. Mm-hmm. He made it happen. Okay, now you got to talk players. I mean, I, 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 you're not going to let me say Bill Walsh either. But if you're talking players, is that what you're talking? I'd like to hear players. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm not going to say Joe Montana. Because if they had Steve Young, I do think that he would have won a lot of Super Bowls, too. Okay. If Bill Walsh would have had Steve Young. He, he, he did. He took him. He grabbed him. He's no, I that. mean, but, you know, ha- <laughs> and Joe Montana weren't in the way there. I think they would have won a lot of Super Bowls with Steve, and Joe was great. We all know that. Was that, did he get, I always talk about the curse of Sposta. When you're supposed to do it, when you're the main <laughs> wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. The curse of the curse of Sposta. Yes, Steve Young was in a spot having MVP level seasons on a dominant 49ers team. When he would get to the postseason, he was supposed to win in big spots, and it took him a while to get over the hump. Was he victimized by the curse of Sposta? I always talk about underdog stories are cute. They're fun when Nick Foles does what he did in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But he didn't have any real pressure on him compared to Steve Young in a big playoff game against the Cowboys or against the Packers or Brett Favre going against the Niners or Cowboys. Yeah, follow. Follow. So what happened to Young? Remember, remember that one where, they, when he, where he won a Super Bowl and Gary Plummer said, yep. let me get the monkey off your back? Yes. Is that the key? Is that the supposed to thing you made That's up? what I'm talking about. Um, that's called, when normal people would say that's called high expectations, right? And, and so if you, if you don't achieve those, then you're falling short, I suppose. But um, Steve Young led the league in passing about six times, seven times, okay? So if he only won one MVP, if he only won one Super Bowl, come on! Then maybe his teams weren't as 
well-equipped to win those as, you know, Joe's teams. I don't know. You have to take a quick look at it. But um, Steve, he he, uh, he he did his thing, man. I'm his not defenses kidding. were – Joe's defenses were a little bit better than Steve Could have been. But I, will, but I will tell you, I know my first defense in 97, the year we got beat by Brett Favre in the NFC Championship team was the number one defense in the league. We never talked defense for the 49ers. Now, wait a second. I just want to make sure we don't gloss over it. You said that the Niners, if they could have one guy, any position. I didn't answer the question yet. I felt like you went with eight there. I thought you went with Steve Young. No, I was just I was just explaining what my mind is doing right it. now. So I, I was not that's why I was not gonna go with Joe, because I said Steve probably would have won some too. And and Jerry Rice, possibly Jerry Rice. But then but then my they won Super Bowls before Jerry Rice. Dwight Clark, God people love him. Often forget, yeah, uh, people often forget that Jerry Rice was not there for Joe Montana for the first couple that they got. There's a guy named Ronnie Lott. Mm. And Ronnie Lott brought... Ronnie Lott played some corner. He played safety. But more importantly, Ronnie Lott was the tempo setter, the voice, the, the tough guy in that locker room. So from a leadership standpoint, like a quarterback, Ronnie Lott had as much to do with the success of those teams as anybody. I'm not lying. Wow. So I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go maybe with Ronnie Lott. How about that? I like it. And by the way, I just want it on record. I'm going to tell as many uh, people as I can. The Niners win the division this year. I told you that the other day when we did that mock draft. They're going to end up winning that division. Jared Goff's under heaps of pressure this year. That offense has gotten exposed. All that play action stuff's not going to work if Todd Gurley's not yeah. Todd Gurley yeah. anymore, right? Yeah. I don't know. The Rams are pretty good. All right. Uh, hey, okay, see. quickly. Let's do this. Yeah. This is a massive or, uh, undertaking, but we're going to do it quickly. I want to figure out the top 12 Super Bowl-era quarterbacks. Johnny Unitas is, therefore, out of the conversation because Johnny U did his best work pre-Super Bowl era. I have Brady, Rodgers, Peyton, Favre, Elway, and Marino, and Breeze, and Montana. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. We have four slots to fill. For what's it? What's this? We're filling slots for what? The top twelve QBs of the Super Bowl era. Now we could either so, do it as oh, of I, right I, now. We're missing four. We're missing four people. Right. Let or, me give you one. Go ahead, Steve Young. The guy that started it all. The guy that helped glorify the quarterback position with his his, his the importance of it. Can I guess who you're going to say? Roger Staubach. No. Oh. Guess again. Namath? Uh, no. Who? Who won the first two Super Bowls and MVPs? Oh, okay. Bart Mr. Starr. Mr. Bart Starr. All right. He was a winner, but a game manager through and through. I don't care how you describe him. He was the quarterback of that team with all those Hall of Famers and with Vince Lombardi, and he won those two games in a classy fashion. Mm-hmm. Okay? He, he represented his whole entire career in a classy fashion. Very unlikely guy if you go back to see what his, where he came from in college and all that stuff, Alabama, um, to be to be put on that early pedestal as a I got great you. Okay, quarterback. We'll put Star down. I'm so down. You got to put Bart Star down. We got to put Star back in too, right? Come on. 
It's Roger Staubach for sure, yeah. He would be, of all the you guys who are from and the it, 70s and 60s, the guy speaking who... Speaking of 70s, you forgot Terry Bradshaw. I didn't forget. Well, I forget. He won I'm four. not going to forget. He won four. I'm not going to forget 12. That's my guy. That's who I grew He's not up on your list. He's down here. We got uh, we got Bradshaw in there. So we'll put Brad... <clears throat> I, believe me. The thing that people forget about him, talk about differences um, by generation. <clears throat> Guys just completed 50% of their passes back in the 70s. They, 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 they threw different kinds of passes. They got intercepted more. They were pushing it downfield much more often than they are now. They're not little swing passes. You had linemen walking like this. You had DBs jamming receivers all the way even down the, the field. Even with that, and even with the MO of the you, Pittsburgh Steelers, that they're all defense and running and everything else, the only guy to ever... Uh, throw deep balls to steal games in the fourth quarter of Super Bowls. Not once, but twice. Terry Bradshaw to John Stallworth in 14 and to uh, Lynn Swan in Super Bowl 10. Um, okay, so we got uh, Bradshaw Stall back, and we're going to put Bart Starr in there. Do we want to put Cam, Andrew Luck, Troy Aikman? No, no, no. Aikman. Why is not Aikman on there? We can put um, Aikman in there. How many if you did want. he win? How many did he, he win? He won his three. Three in what, four years? That's kind of a little dynasty, isn't it? I agree. And I know and Irv. More if I know Johnson would stick around. I know Irv would say, "Well, I should be on this list." Well, no, he's not a quarterback. You got to put Aikman down. Okay, so that's our that's our twelve right there. Last question then for you, Coach Mooch. Would you rather have the uh, the trio of Montana Young and who's the the third best Niners QB of all time? Uh, John Brody. Bone. Oh, yeah, John Brody or Y.A. Tittle. Or would you rather have Favre, Star, Rodgers? Ooh. Best, best QB by franchise in NFL history. Is it the Ouch. Niners or the Packers? And I, I feel very close to both organizations. I know you so do. That's I'm gonna, why it's a fun I'm going to choose one, and the other one's going to be pissed off at me, okay? Um, Jeff Garcia's on one side. Don Mikowski's on the other side. Let's talk about the Packers. All three are going to be Hall of Famers, right? Aaron, not yet, but he will be. For the Niners, of course, Y.A. Tittle's a Hall of Famer, but he played a lot with the Giants. Sure. John Brody, we're trying to get him in the Hall of Fame. Um, he's, he's got a chance, but I think Aaron Rodgers has a better chance of getting in the Hall of Fame than John Brody at this point in time. Right? I think Aaron Rodgers is a pretty good lock to yeah, go to the Yeah, so Hall I think we got to go with the Packers trio. Don't we? Yeah, I, I I do, but but that's a good question. La- very very last thing. Should Packers fans feel bemused a little bit that in 28 years they've never had worse than the third best quarterback in the NFL between Favre and Rodgers, and yet they only have the same number of Lombardis as Flacco and Dilfer gave to the city of Baltimore? Should they should they be a little bit conflicted about the last quarter century or more? Oh, it's never good enough, is it? Um, <laughs> two Super Bowl wins, what, two other Super Bowl appearances and losses. The greatest quarterbacking uh, couple of decades probably ever, I don't know, pro- probably ever assembled in the history. I, Young and Montana and Young had a, had a, that had five, right? Ooh. Right. Brady had six. 
So I know. He's, so, he's, he's now ruined it all. Now there's no game left to be played because of what Tom Brady's done. He's you know, I'm sure Packer fans would say, yeah, let's have some more Super Bowls. But believe me, the seats are full over there, all right? And there's a waiting list of over 100,000 people on that Packer season ticket waiting list, and it's largely because of those two quarterbacks, let's face it. And they think Mooch might show up for a game, and they want to see Mooch walk in the sidelines in his majestic way that he that he breaks through back. it all. When he's in any room, any stadium, all eyes go to Coach Mooch. Thanks, pal. We appreciate it, man. Congratulations <laughs> okay. on Michigan State. Your boy Izzo getting another Final Four. It's enough with him already. That's too. his eighth one. Let's go Hoosiers in 2020. Well, there you have it. It's a tie. Although I could break the tie. So he, so Mooch goes Steve Young. Ross Tucker goes Ben Roethlisberger. Damashek obviously goes Roethlisberger. I guess, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll wear that one. Call me whatever you want. Eddie Spaghetti behind the camera. How say you? Steve Young, Ben Roethlisberger, one game. I'm not telling you the weather. I'm not telling you anything else. I'm just telling you that, that you get to choose one QB. I'll make you happy. I'll go Roethlisberger. I've seen more of him in his career, so that's what I'm used to. Ryan Bartlett, same question for you, but Steve Young or Bill Kenny? Too bad you didn't throw out Steve DeBerg. Then it would be obvious. But uh, same question to me. Sorry, Shaq, I got to go Steve Young. I mean, it was just incredible the way he could move. And um, as was said earlier, if he wouldn't have had the concussions, he could have ended up being a lot higher on the all-time great list. Well, Roethlisberger could run, too. People act like he didn't run around before he got banged around too much. But he was a big physical runner for the first half of his career. Very John Elway-esque. Anyhow, uh, let's uh, let's bring it on home here with one of the great football coaches in all the land, college or pro, highly coveted in the NFL. But he seems pretty happy. Uh, living in Palo Alto, California, here he is, Stanford Cardinal head coach, David Shaw. Here he is, everybody, one year removed from his debut on the DDFB, still head coach of the Stanford Cardinal. It is Coach David Shaw. How are you? I'm doing great. You said still there, like like there was a question. Like, did you hear something I didn't hear? No, not in the negative. <laughs> I'm sure you hear every year, anytime that uh, the 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 uh, the so-called the Monday after the end of the regular season in the NFL, there's no name that is floated more often than. David Shaw's. So that so, but you've decided to stay in the college. Absolutely, that. absolutely. Yeah, you like it. I, to me, I always think the college game would be more fun to coach. I would rather be in that environment, except the recruiting trail. January and February, just going all over the place, going into people's houses and trying to be familiar with them. That's got to be weird, right? You know, it's it's different every place, and I love it at Stanford because the kind of young men that we're recruiting, them and their families are the outstanding people, they're great students, they're high-character people, so for us, it's not that much of a strain to talk to our guys. Is it, as far as that goes, you hear rumors about maybe other leagues, you know, allowing guys to go straight from high school into into their professional league, that would ultimately be beneficial to Stanford, wouldn't it? Because you're getting kids that are committed to basically saying, I want four years of, uh, of college. Uh, we get a, a different class of young men, which I'm very proud of. And as I tell people, some people think that there's a benefit to Oh, not caring about school and just being football guys. But when you look at our guys, we're just talking about off air between Richard Sherman and uh, Doug Baldwin and Andrew Luck. And we've got guys that have aspirations in the sport, but aspirations outside the sport. And it makes them whole people that are great to be around. 
It's interesting that uh, when you mentioned uh, those first couple of names, um, it, it does seem like those are classic chip on the shoulder guys. They love the mantra that now any team that ever wins anything, and then for the last 25 years, no one outside this locker room believes in us, and they seem to be able to convince themselves. Do you perpetuate that? Where does that come from? This this notion that no one believes in you. Even Tom Brady said, "I think people believe in you, Tom." I think <laughs> I don't think you have that many doubters at this point. Tom Brady. Brady, who's, who's right. That? He's the guy okay, who, yeah, who does right. that Lombardi thing more oh, often. Oh yeah, than the not. best ever. Oh, that's right. right, that guy. You know what? For me, it's about finding it. You want to find those guys. You can't make it happen, but you can find that mentality, that attitude, that chip on the shoulder, and you can also cultivate it. Cultivate it to be a positive thing because, make no mistake, that could be a negative detriment to them and their future or it could be a positive. And as long as it drives them in positive directions, those are the kind of guys you want to be around because they never get, they're never accepting of failure. They're never mm -hmm. accepting of second best. They're continually driving to be great. Where is that balance? We were talking about Andrew Luck just as you were sitting down, and last year you told me I think he's going to be back to being Andrew Luck when you see him in uh, in fall of 2018, and so he was uh, right back to where he usually is, atop the AFC South at the end of the season. You know, he to me is one of the very few actual examples. We've been hearing a lot about this offseason, about whether or not high-end quarterback is a leader of men, and is he pally enough with his teammates, and does he say the right things to his... Where does that, where does that rank for you? I mean, these guys are superhuman they, you know they've never failed like you said about Andrew Luck if you're a high-end quarterback in the NFL presumably you haven't failed at any step of the way so you would probably have a different attitude a different confidence level than the average uh, schnook like like me so for me a lot of times for the quarterback position it boils down to the to the huddle which not a lot of people huddle anymore we're the dinosaurs of mm. college football but when you can get 11 guys around around together and the guy who does all the speaking can speak with conviction and call that play, as we say, call the play like you know it's going to work, and that filters through to the guys, and the guys receive it. Like, we just got a, an order from our field general to go make this thing work. We're going to go make it work. That mentality and attitude, uh, if it exudes from your leader, in particular from the quarterback position, it's the first step towards successful plays, towards successful seasons. Um, but that guy has that confidence and that chip on his shoulder and that drive, and it's translatable to others, there's nothing that can replace that. Is that, is that something that you imbue in them as the head coach, or is that something that you land on? You say, this guy's intrinsically got what we're looking for. As I talk to him, he's a 17-year-old high school kid. I can see that he's got that. We're trying to identify it. It's one of those things that doesn't show up on a stat seat, that doesn't show up on a height, weight, speed uh, characteristic. It's what you're looking for, and you talk to high school coaches, you talk to their teammates, you talk to counselors. It's those guys that exude that. Um, you know, it's what everybody heard about Baker Mayfield. We saw all the great plays, but everybody said about him, he just makes everybody else better. Whatever level they're playing at, when he steps in, they all raise it. And that's something that guys like that bring to the table. And that's what Andrew Luck has done every single team he's ever been on. Do you think then that he, uh, to me, he does sort of personify what we're talking about. But it's him and it's Tom Brady and everybody else is flawed on some level because, like I say, that ego, I, I assume it's a balance for a head coach, is you want a guy with a big ego. You want a guy who believes he's the guy to get it done, right? You don't want somebody who's kind of like, you wouldn't want me in the huddle. Like, we have, we have <laughs> There's a lot of reasons for that. 
I don't know what that's about. I mean, <laughs> you've never even seen what I can do with this left arm. You don't even know, and you're already being cynical. I still have eligibility left. So do you really? So, yeah. I'll I check on that. Full eligibility. <laughs> I haven't taken a single college snap. I believe you. <laughs> and yet you don't seem intrigued. You don't seem intrigued. Not in the least. But thank you for asking. I didn't even ask. <laughs> I, I, I made an offer to you. All right, fine. But, I, I mean, I am legitimately intrigued by that that ego thing because it's been so debated about the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it, it seems to me in the last three months it's been a lot more about what he doesn't have. And, and my pushback on that is, doesn't that describe most NFL quarterbacks? If you're a top 12 quarterback in pro football, don't you, by definition, have a... a, a a whole lot of swag or maybe even more than's good for you? There's no question about it. You can't be in that era and in that area if you don't believe that you're going to be there before you're there. You have to believe it. You have to know it. You have to trust it. Uh, you have to believe that you were given certain gifts and you've worked extremely hard that doggone it. You're in that group, whether you are or not. You're going to put yourself in there. So, yes, there is that. But there's a fine line between how you believe that and how you trans translate that to others. Some guys can do it in such a way that turns other people off. Mm -hmm. Some guys can do it in such a way that, hey, hang out with me and we're going to win. Tr trust in me and I'm going to trust in you and, and we're going to make this thing work together. So you can be that that guy with that very, very large ego as long as you manage it and, and you don't destroy other people along the way. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a fine line between it because if you don't supremely believe in yourself, you can't ever get close to that that stratosphere that those guys are in. Interesting. Um, now, you talk about, we're talking about all that swagger and self-confidence and everything else. I think no one in the 21st century has embodied that more in sports than Tiger Woods, save maybe the last half decade until what we saw a few weeks ago. You, uh, you crossed paths with Tiger at Stanford, eh? Yeah, we crossed paths. My last year was his first year. We, we took a class together. Um, he's been a huge Stanford fan in general, but also a huge Stanford football fan. He's been an honorary captain for us. He's been in our locker room. He's been on our sidelines. Um, he thinks about golf and approaches golf like a football player. He's ultra aggressive. Uh, he's very talented, kind of like what we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. He supremely believes he's the best human being. You got to have course. you almost have a tiger homage outfit today. Don't you? you know, there, tiger there are on Sunday. a lot of us around the world right now are, are feeling very empowered by what Tiger was able to do, not just because he won the Masters, which he's done before, but because all of the you talked earlier about guys with chip on their shoulders, mm -hmm. all the doubt, all of the people that said he was done, he should go to the golf network now, golf channel and, and start being a analyst or whatever they were saying about him this guy is supremely talented between the ears and physically and now that he's healthy and his mind is right and uh the golf world i think is going to be excited again for the next few years um last question ish we'll see if this leads to anything but i, I i'm just curious i know you've answered this ad nauseum but i'm i'm personally fascinated by it what ultimately is the reason that David Shaw just says, yeah, I'm good at Stanford. Yeah, I like it here. Palo Alto, is it, the, is it the town? Is it the college vibe? What is it? So it's something that a lot of people don't completely understand. And being a coach's kid before I got into this profession, been, I've seen the highs and lows, the ups and the downs, the good, the bad, and the ugly of this profession. And there's one constant for me, for head coaches, not everybody fits every place. 
I know that about myself. There are places that I fit and there are places that I don't fit. I fit at Stanford better than any college in, in America. I know that I was, I went to school there. My mentality was born there. I understand that place. That place understands me. And a lot of coaches sometimes say, well, I can go there and make it happen there. But if you don't fit there, you don't fit the culture, you don't fit the ethos, you don't fit the academics as well as the athletics, that's going to be a hard place for you to win. So I think when, when coaches can truly understand that it's not just about paychecks, not just about winning, it's about going someplace that you fit, that you can recruit to, that you believe in what the whole place is doing academically and athletically, that's the place where you belong, and that's why I belong at Stanford. Boy, I mean, obviously, from Bill Walsh to John Elway to Andrew Luck and so many Stanford greats, I mean, to me, I would be inclined. I, I think if I were in your shoes, if I had your uh, talents, I think I would go the way you're going to. I hope that makes you feel better. I wouldn't be chasing, I've got to get to the NFL. It seems like, yeah, things get sideways, the wrong guy gets drafted as your quarterback, and then you're uh, a year and a half later, kind of like, uh, I, I think I made a mistake here. And so many people for so many years, for so many reasons, have always looked at the Stanford job as a springboard job to other places where I always looked at it as a destination job. Mm -hmm. the, the young people that I work with, the, the academic integrity that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, uh, the, the efforts our young people have in, in school as well as uh, in the football field, and then after Stanford, all these great things our guys are doing. Mm -hmm. We've got guys in business school, guys starting their own companies. We've got guys that work in, on Wall Street uh, and in different areas of finance. Uh, it's a great place to be. And thankfully, it's a place that I fit and I love. Well, uh, we love uh, these, uh, but now it's a second annual, so I, can, I think we can call it a recurring uh, visit with you. Absolutely. We get to do it once a year. Uh, all the best in 2019, not just for your current Stanford Cardinal, but for the guys now playing in pro football and uh, looking forward to seeing Love running around on the NFL field. And uh, who knows, maybe he'll line up with his old pal, Andrew Luck. That'd be a nice fit, right? That would be awesome. That would be all awesome. Right. Thank you in the meantime, uh, Coach, and, uh, and all the best. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Well, that is that from Nashville, Tennessee. Good times here. Got to catch up with our pal, surprise visit with Ross Tucker, and, of course, David Shaw, Steve Mariucci, and Kurt Warner. We appreciate their time and thoughts. Great stuff from everybody. Hope you agree. Make sure you check it all out in video form at your leisure. We also caught up with, earlier in the week with Rashawn Evans, uh, middle linebacker of the Tennessee Titans and a delightful fellow to boot. Make sure you find that video as well, all to be found NFL.com slash DDFP is how you track it down. Thanks for checking it out, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Until next time, then, it's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 